Does anyone else need a cocktail? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Contemplation. I am very excited today because I am here with my own blood. I'm here with my cousin Maggie, who is a newly published author and has her debut novel coming out this April 2022. Crowd cheers. Woo-hoo. Should I just like input a crowd cheering noise? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be against that at all. <laughs> um, so basically, Maggie has written a book. It is called The Things We Lost, and it is coming out in April. Like I said, but I'm probably going to say that a lot of times this week episode because I need you guys to remember. Um, and she's now going to introduce herself. Take it away, Maggie. Talk about yourself, your favorite thing ever. Well, obviously, we know how much I love to do that. Um, thank you for having me, Steph. I'm so excited to be on the show. Um, as she said, it's my debut novel. It'll be coming out April 19th. It is a women's fiction with some suspense and magical realism. And it is my first book being my debut. But uh, I have been writing for about 10 years, so it's been a process to get here. When I say that our family is excited about this, uh, it, like, doesn't even do it justice. Like, the day Maggie's book went on pre-order, I ordered two. Like, like no idea who I was even going to give the books to. And I even got a copy ahead of time to read for the podcast to promote it. So I don't know why I was buying two, (laughs) but I did. And, like, yeah, we're just literally over the moon for her. We're so excited. And she's going to tell us so much about this book. But first... You guys know the drill. Obviously, we have a cocktail here. And the cocktail today, do you want to tell everyone what it is? Sure. So we are drinking the appropriately named Coconut Martini. It is actually featured in The Things We Lost during a scene with Maddie and her sort of boyfriend, Jason. You will find out more about that relationship when you read. It's a little bit funky. Okay, I accidentally just licked a straw. It's fucking strong. Is it? (laughs) I should have put more coconut cream in. Okay, here we go. Oh, it's pretty good, though. It's boozy, but it's good. Oh, wow. That tastes like a really, really boozy pina colada. It does. It actually does. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, this cocktail we chose for today because Maddie, the, na- the heroine, I guess you could say, of Maggie's book, um, she drinks them on... A kind of date thing. A kind of date <laughs> that we will expand <laughs> yeah, upon we'll get when get you read the book. <laughs> so... Um, thank you to Fidget Leads for sending me the pretty much the biggest cocktail kit box I've ever received in my life that contains a full pineapple to go in this martini. And it's a little out of the box. So it's got vanilla vodka, which I don't know if you're if you're like me and you haven't had that since maybe um, grade 11. Uh, I was going to say first year, but fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that still exists. And then it's got Malibu rum, which actually I love. Like, my favorite thing to take shots of is Malibu rum. I do like Malibu. It does make me feel a little juvenile, and it does have the ability to make me a little ill, but (laughs) it does taste good. It is good. I remember, I'm not going to tell a story about me getting drunk on Malibu rum. I mean, like, I feel like we could probably think of a few of those and a few that we've probably done together. Anyway, Malibu rum, we love it. So... Then it's got coconut cream and some pineapple juice. It is garnished with sweet coconut around the rim. And we took a few experiments, but we actually got it around the rim. And it looks pretty good. Um, 
And like Maggie said, it, it looks, she gave me a wave. It looks okay. She's <laughs> saying it looks okay. <laughs> uh, like Maggie said, it tastes like kind of a bougie pina colada. The coconut is really strong, and it's delicious. And then there wasn't even that much pine- pineapple juice in the cocktail, but, like, you can taste it. Yeah, a it's little good. bit. I mean, I guess it is supposed to be, like, a martini, so it's supposed to be pretty bougie. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, it called for a shot and a half of vodka and then a shot, a half shot of Malibu. And I was like, that's a lot of liquor for one cocktail. I'm probably just going to do one, one and but wow. that makes but that makes sense for like a martini. Should we address the elephant in the room? The fact that my name is Maggie and my character's name is Maddie. It's literally <laughs> on my list of <laughs> questions. <laughs> Good. Okay, I guys, I wasn't kidding when I said bless Maggie's heart, love her so much. She loves to talk about herself. But she knows it. It's one of those things where she's like, "Sorry, I got distracted. I was talking about myself. What were you saying?" <laughs> And I related it to my own story, so please continue telling yours. <laughs> okay, yes. Okay, Maddie, tell me about her. Why is her name Maddie? Tell me everything. So, I mean, you can probably guess this, but Maddie started as Maggie. Maddie was essentially a character I wrote probably seven years ago um, as a little writing experiment of what I would like to be doing or what I could be doing so I felt it appropriate to simply change her name by the two letters to make them seem similar now Jason who you guys don't know but Steph knows is also a main character in my book and he actually him and Maddie were the start of this story Um, and he was actually based off somebody I knew named Justin So it started as Maggie and Justin uh, and became Maddie and Jason. So that is where um, that started from and where I kind of started this idea. Um, Obviously, since the book has grown and the story has grown, Maddie and I are very not alike at all. And she has a very, very different story than I do. But by the time I'd written her story, I couldn't change her name anymore because <laughs> it had stuck it had stuck it was it was maddie's story <laughs> uh so the premise of the book is so maddie is going through a bit of a crisis in her marriage seven to ten years into her marriage and basically she starts thinking what if i'd never married him in the first place and then she wakes up one day and she's back in time and she's never met her husband to be and so everything in her life is exceptionally different. She has two kids in a marriage. They are gone. Like, everything's fucking crazy. And the book is following her journey through all the choices that she didn't make. What happened then? It's very, like, cause and effect. It's very, it's very interesting. And there's time travel, so that's always interesting, too. So t- you say that you related to Maddie initially in the first manuscript, however long ago that came about. What brought on the premise of the story in relation to that? I understand that if it's um, too personal, don't feel like you have to share. But it's always fascinating to hear how this relates back to people's own lives when it comes to writing. It's definitely not too personal. I mean, it is super personal. But (laughs) um, it's a story I've told a few times. And let's be honest, at this point, if he's heard any of this, he knows the story by now. So... Uh, basically, you, you mean Justin? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about. So basically you and the rest of our family is very aware that I had a very long-term relationship. And um, when we got out of that relationship, uh, we had been very young when we started dating and it really did grow up together. So when we broke up, it was very surreal and very you know, telling that this was the direction my life had taken. And so I couldn't help but wonder if I hadn't met him six years before, where would I be? Who would I be? And that ended up stemming this idea of the story of this woman who ends up in a position where she is, she does get to see what, what could have happened, what would have happened. Um, obviously again, we have very parallel, different story, like very different stories. Um, and, you know, she was married with kids. I was literally only 26. Um, so it, there are differences, but just that idea of what if um, really was cathartic for me. I started writing this other woman's story about, you know, what her life could have been. Um, and it was a very interesting exercise for me. Um, it ended up taking a completely different turn. And uh, as you know, there are some suspenseful elements in it. Um, such as uh, there's a character named Gina who in Maddie's current life had passed away in university and now she's gone back in time to find out that this woman's actually alive four years after she should have died. So something about her life change has affected that. Um, so it, it was a very interesting exercise that started as a very personal um, therapy almost and yeah. turned into this completely different story um, exploring, you know, what it's like to get to redo your 20s. The Gina storyline is probably the most, like, crazy mm -hmm. thing that happened because, obviously, there's some kind of accident when Maddie's in university and her friend passes away in this, like, unfortunate series of events. But something, you know, this, this phrase, like, kill a butterfly in the past, it, like, dramatically alters the future or whatever. So, obviously, something happens and Gina's alive and it's, like, pretty crazy. And to find out what happens, you have to read the fucking book. So, <laughs> it's available on Amazon. Find out the twist. <laughs> yeah, what what the hell's going on here? Um, okay. I'm going to circle back to the martini quickly before we get too far into yeah, more questions about the book. Why a mar coconut martini? <laughs> so, to be honest, I kind of wanted to think of this, like, very hipstery drink. Um because I have Maddie and Jason meet for a drink at a bar in Toronto that actually was real at the time. It's no longer there, unfortunately. What bar was it? So the bar was downtown Toronto and it was called Speakeasy. And it was sort of this very kind of hive mind motif, very hipstery. And actually one of the drinks on their menu was this coconut martini. So that was one of the reasons I went, this seems like something Jason would be sitting drinking and something he would order for Maddie. It's got a lot of booze in it, which kind of works. If works I don't for mind. me today. <laughs> yeah. If you read. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was the decision behind it. It was, um, I wanted to try and stick to real world things if I was going to mention a place in Toronto I wanted to try and stick by what that place would serve and what sort yeah. of things they would offer to their customers so that was one of the reasons I picked this location and then I was like yes this menu 
Um, and unfortunately, when I started writing the book, Speakeasy was still open. Um, I believe COVID may have closed them, but I'm not totally sure um, because they're not. I've tried to go back and look for them again, and they aren't there anymore. So, okay. So coming back to the book, so you've been writing for about ten years, and to put in perspective for all you listeners, Maggie used to write alternative Harry Potter books. You can just call it fan fiction. Fa- it was fan fiction <laughs> before fan fiction was a thing. <laughs> like she used to re- write these for us when we were kids because how many years? She's a few years older than me. We don't I'm need to get I'm into six these. years older than we you. We don't need to get into <laughs> these. So like when she was 12, I was six and we're all fucking obsessed with Harry Potter. And she's like pumping out these novels. She made me and my sister and brother characters in them. At one point, my sister in the book starts dating Draco Malfoy, who also Maggie's in love with, just so everyone knows. Shout out Tom Felton. Marry me. Tom Felton, if you're on here, let us know. Just slide into my DMs. No questions asked. I'm very interested. We love Tom Felton. (laughs) Only a lot. (laughs) Anyway, so put the... Put that in perspective. Maggie's 10 years old writing fucking Harry Potter fan fiction. (laughs) I was older, like 12 or 13. Yeah. (laughs) Also, it's not like fan fiction where like what Tumblr has done with fan fiction where it's all like sex and stuff. No, no, no. It's very, very PG. Very PG. Yes. They they kiss a little bit. Maybe. And I mean, it's also really important to note, Stephanie mentions that I... Sorry, Steph mentions that I, I uh, <laughs> that I wrote one of her and her siblings and her oldest sister actually starred in one of my books. And then I started writing a second one that Steph was the star of. Yep. And both her siblings ended up in Gryffindor and Stephanie was in Slytherin. I was in Slytherin. And also my book was never finished. So if we can put out a petition to finish my book, that would be great. Oh, yeah, we could probably do that. You know what's funny, though? I am in Gryffindor, says Pottermore. I'm in Ravenclaw. I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. I always thought I'd be a Hufflepuff, but you know what? I'm a brave ass bitch. I always thought I would be a Hufflepuff too, just because weed. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the book at hand. I know one thing about this book that m- some people may not know is that there were several characters that were th- written through the manuscript that you actually had to cut. Uh, tell me a little bit about why and how you went about doing that. Yeah, so that's actually a really great question. Um, Thank you. When... <laughs> When you're writing, it's really easy to just sort of write from the seat of your pants and just make characters that are relevant for certain scenes. Um, But what you'll find in a lot of books, there's just sort of a a base number of characters. And you will get warned against this by editors, by agents, that you don't want to have too many names and too many characters that are similar because it's obviously going to confuse your readers. So... Gina is a quite a big character in this final draft. And while she was always a defining moment because of what happens to her and what happened to her, um, you'll also get that reference when you read. Um, because of that, she was always present in the book, but I just didn't have very many scenes of her. So in a lot of the scenes she's in now were a different character originally. So I had another social socialite. Oh my God social light <laughs> named Hutton who I ended up cutting um, wasn't that Maddie's twin Hutton no that was Constance so then oh. I also had Maddie's twin Constance and we just sort of found that Gina Hutton and Constance were all very similar characters um, and we're all there sort of for the same purpose so to bring Gina in more and make her a more relevant character because of what a big deal she is to the story it made more sense to get rid of these other two characters that um, 
originally had been in some of these scenes. And rewrite their part as Gina's role. And rewrite their part. Yeah. So, like, you'll see in the book, which you've read already, um, the very first scene that Gina comes in, they're at Starbucks, and that was actually originally written as Constance. Oh. And it was still to talk about Gina and to talk about Brian, who's also another character you'll learn about later. Um, He's based off our cousin Brian that Maggie hates. He is not. Don't say that. I already had to do a disclaimer to Amanda and Brian that he's not based off Brian at all. He's the evil guy in the book. Well, he's like not evil. He's just a word. He's He's like not a good guy. He's He's the antagonist. Yeah, he's kind of the antagonist. (laughs) And our cousin's name is Brian. So that's spelt differently. Spelt differently. Two and two. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of cousins also if if you haven't been listening. The sad part was is that I didn't think about that connection until he messaged me to tell me he, he bought the book. And then, <laughs> and then I went, oh, no. And then I messaged his wife to tell him, to tell her what the situation was. And she thought it was funny and is now really excited to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> Brian is also like, would not hurt a fly. No, he wouldn't. Unless that fly tried to fuck over the Buffalo Bills, then uh. maybe he would. Can I tell them the mistake in your book? It's like how hockey has quarters in it. (laughs) Maggie wrote a scene in the first page of her book, literally page fucking one, and she's talking. Her characters are watching a hockey game, and she was like, "The fourth quarter just started." Fourth quarter. I don't say fourth. I said next quarter. So it is still wrong. And don't worry. By the time you guys get your copies, it's going to be fixed. (laughs) So it's okay. But just so you know, Maggie messed up quarters and periods in hockey and football. So. Okay, so cycling back to character cutting, there's a, there's a term, if you're not familiar, if you're not a writer or content creator or whatever, there's a term called killing your darlings, which is about basically when you're attached to something, you kind of have to let it go when it doesn't further the story or better the plot line in any capacity, whatever it may be. So how was it experiencing this level of editing? Because this is your first book that's gone to print, is being published, so I'm sure that there's a lot more riding on taking edits and also standing up for what you believe in in the plot line the characters and moving forward in the story so how did you navigate that to the best of your ability first and foremost i'm going to shout out my publisher they are based in toronto brand new small publisher called rising action publishing collective they are owned and operated by tina and alex alex is my direct editor when they got the book off of me, I had actually done a lot of pre-editing on my own. Um, the book itself has been through so many revisions. I had a top agent interested in it a few years ago. She came at me with something we call a revise and resubmit, where she basically made suggestions of what she would like to see and invited me to resubmit it to her after I made changes. Ultimately, she did pass on the book. But she gave me a lot of really great feedback. So by the time Alex and Tina got their hands on the novel, we actually didn't make too drastic of edits. Um, That being said, during my round of edits was really tough before it got to them. Um, This editor I had, or sorry, this agent that had been interested had asked me to do a dual timeline. So when I originally wrote this, you'll know now that there's then chapters. I didn't ever have any of those in my first draft. So I only had her current timeline. And my uh, agent that was interested in it was like, can you please put some past chapters in? We'd like to see kind of where she was and how she got here. 
So I started doing that. But at this time, I had this full-fledged novel of her current timeline. And suddenly, I'm plugging in new chapters. And I don't know what to cut. So my book that should be like maybe 90,000 words is almost 120,000 words. So I'm sitting there looking at it going, I need to cut 30,000 words and I don't know what to cut. So I threw my book at beta readers, which is basically a group of other writers who go through my first round of edits and make recommendations to the story or the structure or whether it works, whether they believe it, whatever. So they can give all sorts of advice. And I threw this book at about five beta readers who I actually thank all in my acknowledgement um, and told them, I don't care what goes. I just need you to tell me what can go. And I need 30,000 words gone. So they were so great. I They read through this behemoth of a novel and came back to me. And there were two chapters in the middle of my book that I loved. I loved. And they went to me and they're like, okay. So these are great, great chapters, and the writing is beautiful. Only two sentences, one from each chapter matters. So you need to cut all of it and put those sentences somewhere else. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) okay. And it was hard to do because, like, when I did my edits through and I read these chapters, I'm like, nope, these are important. These matter to the story. But as my readers, they all unanimously agreed. Like, these are great chapters they're very entertaining you wrote them very well they don't matter Mm. and I'm like and they're also the ones that had me cut my two characters and make it all into one yeah so they were honestly like I'm so blessed with the writing community that I've run into and you know it's it it did give me this decent shape book to pitch and share and so by the time I did get to edits with Alex and Tina um I was very very open to their feedback The other thing I really stand by with this is that I've gone through so much rejection with writing um, and so much indifference where people just aren't interested in the story or it just doesn't speak to them, which, as you know, art is subjective. It's not for everyone. Just because Joe Blow doesn't like your story doesn't mean Sally won't. Um, So it is very interesting kind of gaining that thick skin. So even when I had feedback from Alex and Tina, if I disagreed with it, enough I felt very comfortable to tell them why because it was my story and I really understood why I needed something but then I also remembered that they are championing me and they want me to succeed so if they're coming at me with a change I'm very very open to their feedback and their thoughts on it because I know that they just want this book to succeed so if they're telling me something I try really hard to be open about their reasoning behind it yeah that's so nice it's so so that's so nice they sound so supportive of all of that they are very supportive that's like all you can ask for as like a creator Mm -hmm. is having people who are truly in your court and looking for you to succeed yeah exactly in the chapters that were cut was it hard to like displace the sentences and like get them back into the book like not really um to be honest there were a few things that um, that I like tied together. Like, for example, there is a bachelorette scene still. You still get a little bit of that scene and that sort of experience. But before I had an entire like night night de- dedicated to it. Yeah. Um, because I was really selling the storyline. I was really selling the event that they're going to. Um, and before I had another 
timeline of chapters in there, it worked for the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, that scene is still in there, but it's very scaled back. How long would you say from when you first started drafting this novel to now has the timeline been? Over six years. <laughs> That's like the timeline in Maddie's life. Yes. <laughs> Whoa. Did you know that before? No. It's um Oh my god, that's actually kind of wild. Yeah, like it's probably been since I first started writing. So, like I said, I crafted Maddie back before I even moved. Um but I started writing this story seriously after I moved up here. So, what Maggie's talking about is after her very intense and tragic breakup. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually meant that genuinely, but it sounded very patronizing when I said it. <laughs> After this, um, I guess like big breakup. It, yeah, it, I don't know if I don't know if I I don't know if I'd say tragic because although at the time it felt very tragic, I think in the long run it was yeah. the right decision for both of us. <laughs> I will say significant. Yeah, it was a significant breakup. It that was a significant. That one. was the, a better way to put it. <laughs> I said it, and I was like. That word of my okay. traumatic, <laughs> tragic. <laughs> anyway, um, after Maggie went through that pretty significant breakup, she moved from Toronto outside of it towards like the Collingwood area. She so now she lives. It's not even a small town anymore. Like Collingwood's big. I mean, it's it's a town still. Yeah, it's, it's not like a hamlet by any means. No. I mean, I think the biggest change is really that my parents live on a street with no streetlights, and when you're in Toronto, it's not dark. But in Collingwood, with no streetlights, it's very dark. It's very dark. <laughs> it helps when you're walking home with a roadie, though. Yes, that is true. Although there's not really any police. Here. One time, I was <laughs> actually walking home from your parents' house, and I had a beer in my hand, and my brother and sister went ahead of me. And I stayed and I said bye to your dad. And then as I turn around, I'm still standing like right at your back gate. A cop car fucking drives down Chamonix. What? I literally would have been on the street with this fucking open beer. I was like, what the hell are you doing on like, Chamonix in the middle of like of a here. Saturday <laughs> afternoon? Like, sir, sir. <laughs> it was so weird. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I chugged my beer and put it and like gave it to your dad, the can, because he was like, did you see that? I was like, yeah, I'm not taking this now. No, I'm, not, I'm good. <laughs> But it was so weird. Like, I've never seen one on the yeah. inlet streets up here, like, at all. No, and especially I was, like, not during the day. I, th- I think it was, like, May 2020, so maybe they were just bored. Uh, yeah. Because it was, like, Was early. it May 2-4? No. No, because no, you wouldn't have been here. We weren't here. Yeah. I know. It was so weird. I was, like, what? Are, like, we're having, like, a backyard beer with your parents. Right. <laughs> and I was, I like, oh, I'll just walk it home. I mean, I don't know if people know, but that's pretty jamming time. It, uh, like, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. So, Maggie, you were saying it took about six years to get from first draft to being published on The Things That We Lost, which is coming to you in April 2022. You can also pre-order it on the Amazon. Obviously, I'm going to link it and promote it as a book. Woo-hoo. But not only that, since signing this book deal, you signed a second one. I have. So, not only is her debut album... I just said debut album. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> kind of. It's, it's basically your debut album. <laughs> not only is her debut debut novel coming out in 2022 her sophomore novel will be coming out in 2023 so can you tell us a little bit about sophomore novel I don't even know that much you guys like this is me genuinely asking yes absolutely so it's a little bit of a different vein of storytelling it follows three different characters and it's kind of like a crime thriller it is currently titled twisted 
Whether or not that changes will be determined in the next year and a half. Sometimes titles change after you get them signed. So I, it's like a like a psychological thriller kind of thing? A little bit, yes. Okay. Yes. And what genre would you say is The Things We Lost? So The Things We Lost is women's fiction with suspense. Oh, cool. So I like classify my writing as thrilling women's fiction. Love it. So okay. in Twisted, it is definitely more of a, the vein of a crime thriller because it does follow one of the points of view is a, is a young detective who's following this very, very strange case and he's trying to make heads and tails of the evidence. And unfortunately, there is something um, in the way of the strange pharmaceutical drug that keeps popping up in his case and he's not really sure how it ties together or what's really going on because nothing is making sense. And it's all about this crime and these characters involved in it. Um, I don't want to say too much because it does deal with some interesting topics that may give away some of the twists. But yeah. it is um, it is based a bit around this drug and there's some escorts and there's Ooh. some murder. Ooh. <laughs> so... It's all around very fun. HBO, are you listening? Because I've got a, <laughs> I've got a screenplay for you. Yes. I had a very, very early copy um, with some beta readers. And I had a gentleman who was reading it at the time to come back after a couple chapters and be like, I'm totally honest. I don't know 100% what's going on, but I cannot stop reading. And I'm like, okay, that sounds good. I love that. Interested. <laughs> I'm like, that's the point. You're not supposed to know yet. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I fucking love that. Like, uh, John Grisham and stuff like that. Like, that kind of, like... Well, I mean, I think... I guess he's more lawyery than, Yeah, like, he's a little more, like... like gone whole, Girl. Yeah. Gone Girl. This yeah. is what this is what I'm thinking of. Girl on the Train. Girl on the Train. Yeah. So, he's a little more political thriller. That's sort of more of a psychological. So, I have actually had re people compare the things we lost to Gone Girl as well. Ooh. And people think that, you know, if you're a fan of that sort of work, you'll like this one and you'll probably like all my writing. So just buy all my books. Buy all of them. But um, yeah, so I'm really excited about that one. Um, that one's so twisted. It was supposed to come out in fall of 2023. I think we're looking at October right now. Love it. Uh, which is great. It's a very great thriller time of year. It's a really good just time of year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You yeah. There's, oh, no, your book's coming out in April. It's not coming out in May. I can be like, May, October. What's I'm born in October. Yeah. Maggie's born in right. May, but <laughs> I mean, I guess we could say uh, April and Mike. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love no. you, Mike. No, we can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, if you cheer for Casey, like no. He d well, I mean, he's Steelers, not Kansas City. I guess that's better. He was he and he wanted the Bills to win. Yeah, who didn't? Want he the was Bills so to devastated. I don't when know the if Bills you guys. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was okay. It's still a wound. <laughs> I'm still hanging because imagine the Bills. I just were have a the picture of. Patrick Mahomes and I'm just like I love you you're so beautiful <laughs> <laughs> you're a weirdo I mean nah who would you rather make out with Tom Felton or Patrick Mahomes Tom Felton okay who <laughs> would you rather make out with Tom Felton or I can't think of Tom Felton. Henry Henry Cavill Tom Felton <laughs> really <laughs> yes you don't understand my level of do you want to see the amount of messages I send to your sister of Tom Felton <laughs> Oh my god! Like I could show you our Instagram DMs, and all it is is pictures of Tom Felton back and forth. I do remember you and I sending <laughs> each other the one of him helping his like elderly chocolate lab into his car. Oh, 
and he's, he's like, just such an angel he's like oh that's a good girl you do you did such a good job Love i don't know what speaks. that accent was but <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't do his so i just mumbled just mumbled one okay anyway <laughs> um also really fun fact about maggie's book i don't know if you've read the book the seven husbands of evelyn hugo but if you have have not read it because honestly i read it in one single day it was so fucking good very good couldn't put it down the author taylor jenkins reed read the things we lost shouted it out on instagram and her other novel what's the title of it again maggie maybe in maybe in another life was compared to the things we lost Yes, so we definitely... Um, I can see similar writing styles between the two of you, honestly. Yes, we have very similar genres writing for sure. I'm a huge fan of Taylor Jenkins Reid. I've read pretty much all of her books. Um, she's so cool. If you don't follow her on Instagram, I highly recommend. She's just literally posted a reel like a few weeks ago of her being hungover. It was so funny. She's just real cool and real, <laughs> so I highly recommend Love um, that. But yeah, we sent her a copy of the book and she gave us a little Instagram shout out and we do use one of her books as one of our comparative novels because they're very similar styles and definitely will appeal to uh, similar fans. 100%. They got really similar vibes. Um, is there anything else you would like to add to this little promo? Buy my book. <laughs> buy her book. Is it available everywhere or just on Amazon right now? So you can buy it right now on Amazon and Kindle as well as on Kobo. That's sort of our biggest distribution right now. It could be available in some more indie stores or um, bookstores across Canada and the U.S. That is all on my sales team right now. So they are in charge of all their distribution. Basically, they have until April to sell it as much as they can. Hell yeah. Uh, what is the official release date? The official release date is April 19th. That's my half birthday, in case anyone was wondering. It's a really exciting day. And when's our official pink party to celebrate? That is a good question. We are still working on all of that. But once we have some more firm dates, we will definitely be having multiple celebrations. I literally can't wait. So if you guys want to get your hands on a copy of The Things We Lost by the one and only Maggie Giles, you mm-hmm. can check out Amazon right now or follow up on all the other bookstores that she said because she just mentioned the list like 30 seconds ago. <laughs> so just like rewind the podcast. Just grab it on Amazon. Um, <laughs> you can also find her on Instagram, which is at Maggie Giles. Underscore. Underscore Maggie Giles. Yeah, at Maggie Giles. Underscore. Oh. <laughs> you can also find her on Instagram, which is at Maggie Giles with an underscore at the end. There you go. <laughs> uh, do you have a website? I do. It is maggiegiles.com. How original. I, I never would have guessed. Never would have guessed. <laughs> and there you can find all sorts of updates on her newest books that will be following the things we lost because I have no doubt that at least six or seven will follow. Yes, absolutely. You can sign up for my newsletter if you want to be in the know for giveaways or any exciting upcoming news. Also, the announcement of me being on this podcast. Yeah, that's going to come around. And if you want to read a little bit more about Twisted or the things we lost, there are excerpts on my website as well. Well, Maggie, do you want to play a little game to end this off? Let's do it. Okay. So I have a game. It's called Wed, Bed, Behead. And it's actually a shout out to Anne Boleyn based on Henry VIII and his tendency to wed or bed and wed. And then and behead. Behead. <laughs> it's accurate. Yeah. And it, I love the <laughs> phrase. So 
Um, we're gonna go with characters from your freaking book. Okay. Um, Nathan, Jason. I want to say Declan. What's Maddie's brother? Declan. It is Declan. Yeah. Okay, so Nathan is Maddie's husband in her previous life. Jason is her boyfriend, who is kind of a thread throughout the novel. And Declan is Maddie's brother. So I know that Maddie's kind of based on you, but just pretend you're not related, Declan. Wed, bed, behead. I'll do mine, too. That's a hard one. I honestly know that you have a soft spot for Jason, so I just feel like you're going to marry him. I do have a soft spot for Jason, but... I do have a soft spot for Jason, but uh, he varies, right? In one timeline, I feel like he's really great. In the other timeline, he's kind of questionable. I don't know. He's insecure, and that's like the biggest red flag in men. He is. All right. Oh, ooh, I'm going to take a real big turn from Maddie here. Oh, my God. What are you going to do? I think I'm going to wed Declan. I'm going to wed Declan, I'm too. I'm going to bed Jason, and I'm going to behead Nathan. You're behead Nathan? Poor Nathan. I'm chewing on a coconut. That's all at the bottom of my Poor drink. Nathan. I'm going to bed Nathan. Oh, uh-huh, I do like Nathan. And I'm going to... I'm probably going to wed Declan. Yeah, Declan's very married. But the thing is... Well, I don't want to... If you guys want to read more into these characters, you have to read the book. Yeah. I have so much coconut in my mouth right now. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it was all sitting at the bottom of my drink. It was like sitting on my tongue. I was like, I'm going to choke on this. This was a good martini, this but honestly, good, yeah. it was stiff. Like it was stiff. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one for my dad too. I wonder how he. How he's how probably he like this was so busy. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, wow, classic Monday <laughs> when my twenty-six-year-old lives at home. Yeah, right. I think yeah, and I, I'm probably gonna kill Jason. Actually, I'm gonna wed Nathan. I'm gonna behead. I'm gonna behead Declan, and I'm gonna bed Jason. I want a full. Whoa! 180 you just on. went full one eighty. I just on that. thought about it, and you know, I think based I on the characters, those are who I'm most attracted to. Yeah, I can honestly say that I really struggle with beheading any of them. Um, That's very fair. And I really do like Declan. I have such a soft spot for, so I would definitely wed him. And I think bed versus behead would kind of go pretty equally with Jason and Nathan, yeah. just depending on the day. Because yeah. they can both kind of be sucky sometimes. Yeah, and if you want to know more about that, read the fucking book. <laughs> read the book. <laughs> read the book. <laughs> well, Maggie, thank you so much for joining us on Cocktails and Contemplation. I This went by so fucking fast. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, is there anything you'd like to add about where people can find you, what people could look forward to, etc.? I think you have covered most of it, but I definitely would say people can look forward to many more books as I may have a fun announcement one day soon. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Cocktails and Contemplation with my cousin and the one and only Maggie Giles. Make sure you check out fitchandleads.com and you use the 25% off discount Cocktails25 to get a, and free shipping if you're in Toronto also, to get 25% off free shipping in the GTA, Toronto area, whatever, fitchleads.com fitchleads.com or you can find them through my instagram cocktails and contemplation i'm tagging them in everything you'll find it i'm gonna post the recipe for the coconut martini as well as some photos of how okay the coconut rim looked after we tried to do it (laughs) okay and the photo of how big the the cocktail box was that i got in the mail this week thank you so much to mike from fitch and leads for hooking us up with that and if you want to stay tuned for a little excerpt that Maggie is going to read on the podcast from the things we lost, 
please do so. Otherwise, make sure you always drink and contemplate responsibly. The door buzzes and the inmates file in. Dressed in their prison uniforms, they all look very similar. Some have visible tattoos. Some look unhappy to be disturbed. Fathers greet their children with enormous smiles. Husbands kiss their wives. Then I see him, shuffling out with the last of the men. He looks as I remember him, but younger. Broad-shouldered, shaved head, round brown eyes, and a short beard. I stand as he approaches me, unsure how to greet him. His amused smile throws me, like he expected my visit, and finds the entire thing to be a huge joke. I can't stop the shiver that crawls down my spine at the thought. He hasn't changed a bit from our university days. Madison Jane, he drawls in his familiar low voice, mockery behind his words. I didn't believe them when they told me you were coming. You're the last person I expected to see in here. He sits and reaches up, scratching his beard. I feel almost sick at the mention of my full name. My throat tightens with dryness and discomfort. I don't answer as I sit back on the bench, twisting my hands in my lap, trying to dispel the guilt, nerves, and fear. I'm not sure which emotion dominates me the most right now. Nothing to say. His smug smile remains in place as he crosses his arms, showing off his bulky biceps. How unusual for you. You seem well? I find my voice, though awkward. What did I hope for in coming here? It seemed like such a good idea yesterday, but now, seeing him seated across from me, I'm starting to doubt it. What can he tell me that I don't already know? Can I trust anything he has to say? Brian's expression shifts from amusement to annoyance. I've been in jail for four years. How good could I be? I swallowed hard, glancing around, keeping my voice low. You've been moved here. Doesn't seem all that terrible. Compared to where I was, Brian snorts. This is a dream come true, but it's still jail. I avoid fights, get harassed by guards, and I haven't been laid in years. His dark eyes dart to my chest, and despite wearing a sweater, I feel exposed. But you look good, Maddie. Damn good. He licks his lips, and I can't suppress the chill that raises goosebumps on my arms. At least the last four years have been good to you. What happened that night? As I ask the question, my eyes find the table. I was determined to get out before I lost my nerve. Why did you try and kill Gina? Brian groans. Seriously, Mad? That's why you've come? To hash out the details we covered four years ago? Yeah. I don't look at him, unsure what was covered before he put away, was put away. What happened? I need some sort of explanation, anything to make the changed events of my life clearer. Coke happened, Brian shrugged. We loved our lines, you and me. I don't remember grabbing Gina. I only remember you hitting me with that damn tire iron. He rubs the back of his head like he's remembering the pain. My palm tingles as I remember the feel of the cool metal in my grip, unsure if it's a real memory or a fabrication. However, I definitely remember the sound from the video of Cracking Bones. Had I known the tire iron was in his car, or had it just been a weapon of convenience? He isn't angry as he recalls the memory. He laughs, amused again. At least my pants weren't still down. Why is this funny to you? I snapped, unable to hold my composure any further. I need answers. I can't keep going through my life blindly. Because one minute I was getting laid, coked out, and then I was lying on the pavement, my head pounded. Again, he chuckles. Definitely not how I thought that night was going to go. I shake my head, eyeing him with disbelief. You tried to kill someone. How can you find any humor in that? Only more laughter. Because you wanted me to. 